For those of you who don't know me, I am Chris Wills, and I am the discipleship leader here at No Limits Church. My wonderful wife, Gina, is sitting right there in the auditorium today, and she's actually in charge of the hospitality team. So if anybody wants to be blessed with the opportunity to be on the, the hospitality team and serve the church, she's the woman you want to talk to. Just go see her. Right, yep, she has her hand up, and she will hook you up with being able to serve in this church. Amen. <laughs> and my wonderful father-in-law, Mike, actually showed up today to hear me preach. So if you get a chance, just say hi to him after church. and yeah. <laughs> Or now. Yeah, do it now. That's fine. <laughs> so why do bad things happen? All right, I'm excited to bring you, this is part two of our faith series. Pastor Mark brought the first part. I know, uh, yeah, I think he's a little upset he didn't get to speak today, but that's, he'll, it's all right. He'll be back up here next week and you, you can hear him. But. but why do bad things happen to good people? You know what I mean? You ever, we, we ever say that, but seriously, why do bad things happen in general? That's, we're going to go over all that today. So as we start this message, who's had that thought? Why do bad things happen? I know I have. A thousand times. I've researched this so much because it's, it's a big question. Why do they happen? And these are some of the big questions that people have when it comes to bad things. You know, is it God's judgment upon us for sin? Is that why? But I thought God was a good God. How could he do these things? Or at the very least, why does he allow it to happen? You know? And it doesn't even have to be a worldwide crisis like we saw with the, with the mass shooting text or the things that are going on in today's world. I mean, with the crazy fires out in California right now, like it doesn't even have to be a worldwide issue. It could be something specific in your life. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe you have lost a loved one, lost a job, and you're thinking, why do these bad things happen? Well, this is actually one of the main reasons people will avoid a relationship with God or they will deny his existence completely because they don't understand the true nature of God, and they don't understand why he would let bad things happen in their life. So, again, I'm excited to share on this topic, and I'm going to be talking about the sovereignty of God, free will, and a fallen world. There's a lot here, and it actually kind of goes against the mainstream thinking sometimes. But I promise you, I'll back everything up I say with Scripture. Because if I don't, then what's the point, you know? So I think one of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to this topic is the sovereignty of God, right? Because God does not have sovereign control over every little thing in your life and in this world. It doesn't mean control, okay? And what I'm saying here is, this is actually kind of a dangerous way to think because it can get you in trouble because... You need to understand what the word sovereignty even means to understand what God's sovereignty is. That word means supreme power or authority. So God is the supreme power. He is the supreme authority. But that does not mean he has complete control over every little thing that happens in your life. If we have this thought process that if everything that happens is God's will, then we will blame him for our bad decisions. You know, we'll make bad decisions, but God, well, everything's your will. Why did this happen? Well, you made a bad decision, you know? Okay? And it also causes apathy because what's the point? What's the point of anything if God's will is going to be completed no matter what? I mean, there, nothing would have a, a point to it. So this is, could be no further from the truth, and I'll show you scriptures to back up what I'm saying about the sovereignty of God. Okay? Second Peter 3.9. 
The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but they all should come to repentance. So it is God's will that no one should perish, no one should go to hell, right? But we know every day people are dying and going to hell. But that is not God's will. He wants everybody to be saved. Uh, So he wants nobody to go to hell, which, by the way, was never created for man. It's not like some place God created to punish man. Hell was never created for man. It was created to punish the devil and his fallen angels. And he doesn't just send people there. They choose it by not accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. People, People send themselves to hell. God doesn't do it. So, did you know that it was never God's will for Israel to have a king? King Saul, King David, not, never was even his will. First Samuel 8, 6 through 7. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. So God told Samuel to warn the people what a king would do. That's what Samuel did. He said, You know, a king is going to take your sons and he's going to put them in an army. He's going to build up an army. He's going to take your daughters, and he's going to make maids out of them, servants. They're going to cook for you. He's going to take your land, and he's going to take your livestock. Is that what you really want? But God wanted to be their king, and he wanted to use judges and prophets as like the governing body. There wasn't an absence of government. God just wanted to be the supreme authority, the king, and he wanted to give uh, the government to the judges and the prophets. So God... But the people ask, man asked for a king, and guess what? You ask and you receive. They receive what they ask for, you know? Even after being warned, they demanded one because it says they wanted to be like the other nations. But we know the word tells us not to be conformed to this world, right? They wanted to be like the other nations. They asked for a king and they got it. Well, what about this? Uh, God appoints all those in the positions of authority. Who's heard that a thousand times? Uh I mean, I've heard that multiple times, and I'm sure most of us have. But the Word never says that anywhere. You know, the biggest place that this comes from is this scripture here. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Okay? So this doesn't say that he appoints all people to those positions. It says he established the authorities. Government is a godly thing. But that doesn't mean he divinely appoints people into those positions. If this were the case, Christians would have no need to vote. Pointless, right? Why would you vote? God's going to appoint who he wants in that position. Take a look at Hosea, just to reiterate this point. They set up kings, but not by me. They made princes, but I did not acknowledge them. From their silver and gold, they made idols for themselves that they might be cut off. So, as you see, they set up kings, but not by me. But we've been taught that so many times, right? That God sets up all those in authority. Do you know when God divinely appoints a king, you know how he did it? He told a prophet. He said, okay, go appoint Saul. He directly communicated to a person and said, this is who I want to be king. And even with that, Saul had free will, and he screwed it all up, right? Because Samuel even told Saul, he said, you know, God would have established your kingdom forever, That's what God wanted to do. He said, I will establish your kingdom forever had you not broken my commandment. That's when Saul tried to offer a burnt, well, he did. He offered a burnt sacrifice, and he wasn't allowed to. And then, So that's when his kingdom got cut off, and they brought up King David because God's awesome and has a backup plan. But 
But see, that's what I'm saying. You're going to have a hard time convincing me that God appointed Hitler, Mussolini, or any other oppressive leader that's ever been in this earth. Like, you're not going to convince me that God did that. Okay. So if God's will doesn't always happen, all right, why does he let the bad things happen? Because surely he has the ability to stop it, right? Because he's God. He can stop it. Would you be surprised if I said no, he doesn't? His ultimate will and plan for mankind and the world will come to pass, okay? that I'm not saying that that's not the case, because it will. But that doesn't mean that everything that happens is directed from him. Does that make sense? So God's plan for salvation could not be stopped, right? And his ultimate goal for mankind will take place. But we have the free will to screw up our own lives and people around us. I mean, because we have free will. So I want to go back to the beginning and talk about, you know, why create man knowing he would sin, right? Surely he knew man would sin. So I want to go back to the beginning. Why did God create men? Because God desired a relationship with a creation made in his own image. I think that's something that we need to meditate on just a little bit more, that we are created in the image and the likeness of God. The creator of the heavens and the earth created man in his image, right? And he wanted a love relationship with a creation in his own image. Get that? A love relationship. The only way you can truly love is if you have a free will. You have to have a choice. It was never his intention for us to sin, but the decision had to be made available or we'd be like a robot. We'd be programmed to love God. And that's not what he wanted. He wanted us to love him out of our own free will. So we were created with a free will. God placed the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the midst of the garden and said, you may eat of everything. Look at all the creation I've made you. You can eat of anything in this garden except this one tree. Just don't eat from that tree, right? But there had to be the option to disobey God and choose our own path, or there really is no free will. That free will cannot exist. So I'm going to go back to Genesis, and we're going to talk about this. And then God said, Let us make man in our image, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and all over the earth, and every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, and he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So you ever notice how God created man last too? That's what I love about Genesis. You know, he created, he get, provided all of our needs before he even made us. He made sure all of our needs were provided. Then he created man. But the earth was created for us, okay? He had given dominion of the earth to man. We have complete control at this point. So God is truth, and he cannot lie. He cannot break his own spiritual laws that he puts in place. So here we are in the Garden of Eden, and everything is perfect. We have total dominion over the earth, 
And God is enjoying a relationship with mankind, walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening, right? So then here comes uh, Satan, the deceiver. So I get this question a lot too. Why would God allow Satan in the Garden of Eden in the first place? Who does that, you know? Well, so th this I cannot say for 100% certainty because it's just not that laid out, but I do believe Satan, or Lucifer as he would have been, which means the bearer of light or light bearer, something to that effect, was actually sent to the garden to man as an angel before the fall. Because we know for a fact that after creation, God had looked at everything he made and said it was all good. Now, I believe the creation took six actual literal days. Some people think it might have took thousands or millions of years. I don't really have time to get all into that. But either way, even if it took millions of years, uh, he, after creation was done, he looked at all and said, it is all good. It's all good. There's no bad right now, right? And we also know that Satan was, in fact, in the garden before he fell. And I'll show you this in Ezekiel. This is the prophet Ezekiel speaking to the king of Tyre, but it's obvious he's speaking about Satan. You were in the Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub. You know, we see cherubs today, they're like naked little babies almost. But cherubs were guardian angels. They were like warriors. They were fighters. This is what Lucifer was before he was Satan. You were the anointed cherub, the one who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. So, I mean, for all we know, uh, Satan's fall happened because he deceived Adam and Eve. I mean, there's... It's not really, it doesn't lay it out that clearly, so we don't know, but we know he was in the Garden of Eden before he was Satan, so God didn't just send Satan to the earth to torment mankind. That's not what happened. So we're in the garden, and Satan uses his most powerful tool, which is deceit, right? Have you ever wondered why he used deceit, or why he even used a serpent? the most cunning of animals. Like, why, did, why would Satan do that, you know? Why wouldn't he use a lion or a bear, you know, just force Adam and Eve to eat it? Eat, eat from the tree, you know? He didn't do that. He deceived them by questioning God's word. But remember, we have dominion over the earth at this point, right? He needs our cooperation in order to do anything. He's powerless. He needs us. So that's why he uses deceit. So look at how deceitful he is. This is such a well-thought-out plan. Why Eve? Do you ever wonder why he chose Eve instead of Adam? <laughs> I don't think he went to Eve. You know, some people say he went to Eve because, oh, the female's the weaker sex. You know, you hear all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly don't think that's the case. I think it's because she had second-hand knowledge. If you go read the story of Genesis, and you see when God commanded Adam to not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Eve had not been pulled from Adam yet. She was still an Adam. He had not created her from a rib. So Adam got this command, right? Do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So she probably just heard it from Adam. Hey, we don't eat from that tree. Got it, right? So, <laughs> so he goes to Eve, and he poses this question. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. 
And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Look how he worded that, you know? Like, there's only one tree they're not supposed to eat from. You know, God said, Look at all I've made for you. You can eat anything. This whole garden was created for you. Just don't eat from this one tree. And, of course, you know, this is a truth. The devil spoke a truth, but he quit. I'm like, wow, God won't let you eat from every tree in the garden? He's holding something back from you. So he was questioning who Eve was. And I'll just look at Eve's reply. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Right? So either Adam or Eve has already created a man-made religious law. Did you guys catch it? God said you shall not eat of the tree. He didn't say you shouldn't touch it. So all Satan had to do was get her to break her own religious law, right? So she touches it, right? Nothing happens. So do you think that emboldened her to eat it? At this point, you know, she's broke her own spiritual religious law. Everything's good. And she's probably thinking, wow, nothing happened. Maybe... Maybe the serpent has something, knows something that I don't know, right? Well, yeah, we know how this story ends. Uh, but I don't think Eve even paid much attention to this tree before Satan brought it to her attention, because if you read, it says, when once the Satan deceived her, it says she did look at the tree, then she did see it was good for fruit. She's like, oh, wow, there's the tree does look good. So he didn't even pay much, she didn't pay much attention to it until it was pointed out to her. So this is what Satan does. He takes our attention away from God, and he lets us focus on sin. And he says, look, it's so good. You want to partake of that? Like, why? Look what these good things God's trying to hold back from you. It's, that's how he uses deceit. It's his most powerful weapon. So at this point, this is when man fell. And the earth was cursed at this point. Death had been brought into the world. So this is what we call a fallen world. And it's not in the perfect state like God had intended anymore. So well, why is Satan still here then? You know? Wouldn't a loving God just banish him from the earth? Why leave him here once he made once all this happened, you know? These are tough questions. But it has to do with spiritual law. Mankind gave some sort of authority away over to Satan when we were deceived. Okay, this is according to the book of Luke, and this is in the middle of Jesus' temptations. It says, The devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, all their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Right? The only way that could have been a real temptation to Jesus is if he did have the authority, if he could give it away. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been a temptation. It just would have, it wouldn't have made sense. And then again, in 2 Corinthians, Paul refers to Satan as the god of this age. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the god of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. But authority was given in this world, was given to mankind, right? So those with a physical body. Man gave it away, so man had to take it back, okay? So that's 
that it had to be according to the laws of God that he himself had put into place. It had to be done legally. And this is why Jesus came to the earth as the Son of Man. All right, It's somewhere like 80 times in the New Testament that Jesus is referred to as the Son of Man. God cannot break his own spiritual laws, so in order to redeem mankind, he had to become a man to fulfill the Old Testament law and defeat Satan once and for all. Amen. Jesus had to be born in a human body, subject to the law of Moses, being free from sin and enduring every temptation. There was no other way. Okay, That is how intense God's love is for you. He came to the earth and was rejected, yet he defeated Satan and freed mankind. So that brings us back to the original question again. If the devil is defeated, why do bad things still happen, right? One, we still live in a fallen world. You can see that. Just walk outside. But we have our own sphere of influence. But we cannot control the free will of evil men. Okay? So Satan can still influence man's free will. And also, uh, natural disasters. It's just a result of the fallen world we still live in. Uh, for some reason, God gets blamed for, like, everything. I mean, take a look at your insurance, and you'll see if you are or aren't covered by acts of God, Right? It literally says acts of God. And it's, you know, God is not sending a tornado through Oklahoma to punish you, you know. It's a result of a fallen world. But in our sphere of influence, we do have the authority of our own mind. That's why it's so important that we change the way we think by the renewing of our mind. It is important to read the word daily and because this will build us up in our most holy faith. And we can figure out who we are in Christ. Because once we are born again, we can take our place in victory. Now we are now walking from a place of victory because God has given us a new spirit. We have our authority back, okay? But the devil has not changed his tactics. And as long as he can deceive you into thinking that you do not have authority and that he has all the power, he will. He will use that deceit. He will tell you you're no good. How can God love you for all the bad things that you've done, you know? Are you even really saved? Look at all the bad things that are happening in your life. Why would God let this happen to you, you know? The devil can deceive you into thinking that God is allowing problems in your life if you haven't renewed your mind by reading the Word of God. Hosea 4.6 says, "...for my people perish for a lack of knowledge." There, we, we lack knowledge. That's why it's so important to read the Bible. Because we know that God is a good God, a good Father. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God is a good God. Amen. John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Mm. 
I know people think this is oversimplified, but God is good. The devil's bad, you know? But I see a lot of people blame God for stuff that falls into the steal, kill, and destroy category. Like, why does he get blamed for that? Sometimes they're mad at God, and other times they're not mad at him, but they still blame him. But they somehow take comfort in knowing that it happened according to his will. So they're comforted by blaming God. But in reality, it was either the devil or just the result of being in a fallen world. But this is why it is important for us to renew our minds. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you want the perfect will of God in your life, you need to renew your mind so that you know who you are in Christ. Of course, this is one of my favorites. I'll probably throw this in every sermon I do. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) Most assuredly, I say to you, who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to be with my Father. Right? Who remembers when Jesus and his disciples were on the boat? And they thought they were going to die, and they were all freaking out, saying, we need to wake Jesus up, because if we don't, we're all just going to die. Well, you know, the Jesus was just like, why are you guys afraid? You guys have such little faith. What? I like, I like thinking about it in context, because the boat had to be going like crazy. Then a big storm. Jesus hadn't even stood up when he said this. He's still laying there. And he, he probably happened to yell so they can hear him, you know? It's like, why are you guys afraid? As water's splashing in over him and the boat's rocking back and forth. He's like, you guys have such little faith. And then he stands up, and then, of course, he rebukes the storm. And, uh, but here's the question. Do you think that he calmed every storm on the planet? Or did he just calm that storm where he he was? Just the storm where he was, that's right. You know why? Because he took authority over his sphere of influence, right? That's the authority that we have been given. The point I'm trying to get at is instead of blaming God for the bad things that happen, we need to realize that we have a part to play. I just showed you where Jesus said we will do greater works than him, right? So once we are truly mature in Christ... We can calm any storm that takes place in our life. You know, God said we do greater works than him, so we can calm real storms. Jesus calmed a storm, right? And, of course, but we can calm any other type of storm in our life because I've said it before, but Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He had been dead for four days, okay? So that's why I also love our church's core scripture. It's a good chance to bring it up again. Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Amen. The things that we are capable of, capable of through Jesus Christ are truly limitless. But it takes a daily meditation on the word of God for it to really sink into your heart. Because once you have them truths in your heart, then if you do hear a lie from the devil, you know it. You know, And you can just say, nope, that's a lie. And the devil is cunning and deceitful, so evil isn't always obvious. You have to know the Word of God to, to see when the devil's lying to you. So, if we know the Word of God, we can catch him in his lies. And just like Jesus, we can use the Word of God to rebuke him, and then he will flee. Because the Word tells us if we resist the devil, he will flee. So we need to take responsibility.
Even after the devil has fled, if he has left death and destruction, we have the power to speak forth life back into the situation, right? Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. When Adam and Eve sinned, it brought sickness and disease and death into this world, right? Jesus came and took our authority back. But it takes reading our Bibles daily for these truths to become real in our lives. So we can trust Him for protection. We can trust Him for prosperity, healing. Anything that helps us to live an abundant life in Jesus. Because that's what we're promised. And so, just to give a real quick summary here at the end. Why do bad things happen? Because we still live in a fallen world. Satan still has influence over man's free will. God is bound by his word and his own spiritual law. And he has made, but he has made a way through Christ Jesus for us to take our authority back and truly live a no-limits life from the position of victory in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen.